All right. Hit the right button here. I got to turn the echo off. Echo, 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 echo. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio, shortwave, electronics, you name it. We've got it here. And if there's some other things that you want to talk about, just let us know because we've got Glenn in here and we've got Brett in here and they can talk about anything, man. They can, they can just they can talk about anything. But anyway, hey, if you're out there listening on WBCQ, we'd love to hear from you. If you're listening out there on shortwave on 7490, uh, shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are in the world and how you're hearing the station. We're, the, we're a little low-powered shortwave station, only 50,000 watts, and we're up there on the... Uh, border of um, uh, Maine and Canada, right on the border there. Hey, we're also on just about every podcast carrier out there, audio podcast. You can listen to it online or you can download our audio version anywhere from uh, iTunes to Google Play, uh, Spreaker, uh, you name it. We're on there, public radio. Uh, we're, we're on there, so you can you can find us there. And... We'd love for you to join our. We'd love for you to join our Facebook group, and our Facebook group is just—it's actually called Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's such a long name. On Facebook, if you'll just search for W5KUB, W5KUB, it'll bring you up to our site. We've got about 14,000 hams in the group. It's a great site there. A lot, lot going on. Always, we got a lot of uh, fun stuff going on there. So. Uh, please join our Facebook group at W5KUB. Also, it will help us out greatly if you will subscribe to our channel here. Now, I know you don't know where that subscribe button is, but look, I'm helping you out here. You see that right there? I'm putting a little arrow right there, and I'm showing you where the button is. So I want you to hit that subscribe button. And, uh, hey, if you like the show, uh, hit the like button and hit the notify button. It really helps us to... Uh, get YouTube to uh, help you know advertise our program and bring in new people that are looking for shows like ham radio or shortwave or, or whatever. All right, hey, do we have anyone new in the uh, chat room tonight? And and by the way, if you're just looking, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube, uh, we have our own chat room. We don't use the YouTube chat room. So uh, if you want to get in our chat room, just go to our website w5kub.com. You can watch the video there, and you can click on chat room, and you can join the chat room. So, if you will, uh, hey, tell us, is there anybody out there in the chat room that's new tonight that hadn't been with us before? We want to uh, welcome you uh, to to our group there. Uh, let's, let's see, what else is going on here? Hey, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, hey, I found a new tool for to, to measure or, or to help find uh, single sideband propagation. That was an interesting thing I found. I'll, I'll share that with you tonight. Uh, and um, a couple of ham fests coming up. We'll mention those in a little while. Uh, we've got a video from Jim here about a homebrew T-match antenna tuner that he uh, he built. The Jim's under the weather tonight. Uh, he, of course, he's taking uh, treatment, uh, and uh, he is not feeling good tonight. Not doing great, so we want him just to sit back, relax, and rest, and uh and um, maybe he'll be with us next week there. 
Uh, hey, I'm going to give you an, uh, an update later on our, our GMS uh, update here, the GMS repeater we're putting together for some people here in town. And uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time on the antennas tonight. We're going to talk about coaxial, uh, uh, coaxial uh, collinear antennas uh, and, uh, and even a, uh, just a, a 5 8 wave antenna that, that uh, I built out of the handbook. So, hey, let's jump around the room real quick, real quick here. Glenn, come on. No, wait, let's take, let's take Brett. He's up. Hey, Brett, how you doing, man? Well, it's, uh, right now it's exactly freezing in Laramie, Wyoming, but early in the day it was warmer, which I appreciated. I was out on the roofs doing things as yeah. usual. Well, you know, I'm just looking at the thermometer here. It, it's gotten, it was about 65 here today. And I just looked, it's down to 47 now. So it's kind of, it's pretty cold outside, man. Well, here at this altitude, you don't feel the cold as much. Even when it's freezing, you don't necessarily need clothes. So, uh, well, you know. but you're, you're a young guy, man. You, you don't feel the cold. You know, like, like I tell everybody, you know, when I went to that Arctic survival school in the Air Force, I was like 20, 23, 22 years old. And uh, uh, it was like real, the 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 uh, wind chill. It was like twenty below the whole time we were out there. I never felt cold. Never got cold. Wow. Stayed out there the whole time. That's you know, and that's what I'm saying. Young guys like you, you don't get cold, man. You like it. Yeah, well, I don't enjoy it that much, you know. I've gotten frostbite once or twice, but uh, you know, get out there and do the work. And I was up there mounting antennas today. Well, it seems like you're always up mounting antennas or something. What? You getting yeah. a, lot of, a lot of new customers? Or are you upgrading? What are you doing? Well, you know, beginning of the year, people start reconsidering whether they want to stick with their internet provider. That's what yeah. we are, wireless internet provider. You know, we started as a result of ham radio. And uh, so uh, people decide, oh, the, I'm paying too much for the cable company. And so then they consider maybe going the microwave internet, which is what we do. So uh, we get a lot of cut. There's a lot of churn and people come and go. But uh, during the winter, we mostly get more people. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's great, man. Hey, what kind of speeds can you get across your microwave to your people out there? Hmm. You know, it depends on what kind of equipment we use to serve them. Uh, we now have 10 gigabit per second uh, millimeter wave uh, transmitters that we can use. They're kind of expensive. But if someone needs that much, we can do it. Typically, it's in the megabit range. You know, the the typical radio goes up to about uh, oh, sixty-five to one hundred megabits per second, depending. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, great, man. Let's uh, let's see if uh, Glenn's with us. Glenn, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm Come awake and everything. You are awake, man. Yeah, you, I'm awake. awake. Yeah. All right. But, All right. Uh, so you're not working now. So you, hey, are you sleeping late in the mornings now? I am a little bit, as late as the cats will let me. Yeah, They're still yeah. tuned early morning. Um, it's just you know, and I'm sure you know when you first retired, you know this, you know the drill. There's just not enough hours in the day to get everything done, but you're also not in a hurry to get it done. <laughs> well, uh, I, I had to take my car in to have the uh, wheels rebalanced for the trip to Jackson. Uh, this yeah. weekend and uh, just every, the, the day I had planned didn't work out because I uh, first thing I did when I woke up I got an email from my uh, publisher over in uh, mm -hmm. uh, Europe mm -hmm. uh, Elector um, 
wanting to to work a little bit on the the new book they're doing they've got it just about ready to go to the printer so we'll have that out real soon but we had to get a little bit of back and forth uh on the editing of that thing this morning and that just kind of threw my whole day out of sync and i got nothing done that i had originally planned all right now uh is it next weekend's the jackson ham fest this weekend is jackson this this coming coming yeah it's actually uh, starts friday evening from like five to seven and then saturday from eight to three man i am uh, contemplating to come you know i know i've been down there a time or two but uh i don't know it's you know it's it's about a four-hour drive down from here um yeah i'm thinking man you know, I'm thinking maybe maybe I just get up about eight o'clock in the morning, drive down here, be down here about ten thirty, eleven o'clock, walk around, uh, you know, until I get tired, and then leave about three o'clock. I can be back home by seven. Yeah, and that's kind of like what I'm doing, except I'm going overnight. You know, I don't yeah. want to have. I like to get up early and be there when the doors open, so, but I don't like getting up at five a.m. Well, so, so convince me, man. Is there anything there that I would want to see if I come down here? I mean, I'm on the fence right now. Well, of course, there's the flea market. There probably will be Martin Jew and MFJ. You you think Martin Um, will be there? uh, There's a good chance he'll be there, yeah. I had heard heard that they are only doing like one or two ham fest a year now. That I I don't really know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Martin may be there. And, of course, there's always the drawings. Well, and. Yeah, I don't know. Drawing, I wouldn't be lucky enough to win nothing there. You know, but for me, I just love looking through the junk in the flea market and picking up odds and ends. Yeah, well, see, I would miss, you know, and that's when you get your best deals, maybe, or the best stuff is early morning, you know. Yeah, or Friday. Yeah, so if I do come down here, I'm going to have to count on you to pick everything, just pick everything up for me. Why don't you buy a lot of good stuff that you think I might like? <laughs> and then I, when I get there, I'll look at it. And if I don't like it, you can just resell it. Okay. Well, I'll just send you a, a, a picture of it. Well, yeah. I I'll, think I'll that, do that, some that video would, or pictures would, as I go. That would work, man. That would that'll work here. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Brett, I actually, I do have a table and I'm bringing some stuff down to sell. But I get the table down there mainly because seats are at a premium. So if you get a table, you got a guaranteed seat. How many seats do you get with your table? One, two, you know. Okay. And not only that, but you get a preview of the flea market before it opens. So you exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, the plan. Man. Cool. Hey, I see uh, Mark Brown join us here. Uh, the yeah, I saw that. He's the he's the uh, chief honcho for the Huntsville Ham Fest. Guys, that's in August, but I sure hope that thing comes here soon. But, yeah, uh, I know it. I mean, that was the last ham fest I yeah. went to, so I'm just kind of got the I got to go to a ham fest, you know. Can't can't keep the hands still. <laughs> yeah, everybody say hi to Mark in the uh, chat room there, and uh, if if you guys don't make it, <laughs> if you guys don't make it to Huntsville, you're gonna get ten demerits from us from the show. I promise <laughs> you that, man. You'll be on our demerit list. All right, so uh, let's see. Um, hey, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, why don't we jump into, uh, let's just jump into uh, uh, Jim's uh, antenna tuner he put together. He built, he built a nice little antenna tuner, 
And uh, in fact, the more I learn about Jim is he's he's a real homebrew type guy over the years, and he's done a lot of these things, and he's my kind of guy. He couldn't be with us tonight. He's under the weather tonight, uh, not feeling really good with uh, all the medicines and the treatments that he's taking right now, but uh, he's going to get through this, and uh, he, he's going to be back with us. Uh, so let's take a look at and see what Jim has to say about his antenna matcher. I think it's a tea match. I think it's about 10 minutes long, so it's not uh, not too awful bad. So let me see if I can cue it up here. Uh, let's see. Here we go. And I think that would do it right there. Hi, I'm Jim W6LG, your ham radio Elmer here on YouTube. Welcome to my radio room in Rockland, California. Came across a bunch of parts. Uh, I was trying to decide what what do I need to sell, and it's time to get rid of a bunch of a bunch of things. And one of those was uh, a large box of air variable capacitors and some inductors from various linear amplifiers that I'd built over the years and other devices. And I decided I would build a manual antenna tuner. I wanted to do a couple things. First of all, refresh my memory on how they work and what the parameters should be. But also, I wanted to know if there's loss through that tuner, and if so, how much. And we'll research a lot of that right after this break. Before I go any further, uh, speaking of loss, I was setting up the uh, the tuner, uh, doing the video. I've got cameras going, and I'm uh, doing a screen grab of uh, the LP100A watt meter. I tested the uh, uh, antenna tuner a couple times, and I keyed it again, and the LED lights in the room went to black off. The um, big display screen behind me, at uh, the monitor, it went black. Um, other things in the room were making funny noises every time I would key into the tuner. What it turned out to be was a loose coax connector and only a quarter of a turn to half a turn loose. I started backtracking all the things that I had connected and I got to those connectors in the back and one of them was just slightly loose. As soon as I cinched it down, finger tight, not with a wrench, uh, all those interference issues went away and the thing operated properly. Um, speaking of the thing, let's take a look at the schematic that I drew and we'll go through the various um, components, which is not many. There's only a few connections inside the thing, except I did forget one. Um, so let's look at that now. Here is my best, and but not very good, schematic of a manual antenna tuner that's designed for uh, high power. By that I mean uh, more than two kilowatts, not more than, probably would do more than three, maybe four. There's a reason for that. I don't want stuff to arc on the inside if it's faced with a really high uh, uh, mismatch. So I built a huge margin of safety into the antenna tuner. So here we go. Here's um, the schematic of that uh, homebrew manual antenna tuner. 
All right, here's the schematic that I drew. It's an antenna tuner, sort of T-type. Here's an SO239 and an SO239. The um, outer part of it is at chassis ground. The center pin, the receptacle part, connects to a capacitor on both sides. It's sort of the mirror image. And then where the two capacitors meet, uh, there's a roller inductor down to chassis ground. The unused turns on the roller inductor are shorted, um, trying to keep circulating currents from going below that tap point because it could damage the, uh, the tuner. So it really is just that simple. There's one, two, three, four, five connections. Now, there's one crucial part that I didn't put in. I've got to go back and add. I didn't put in a way to bypass this whole thing. So I'm going to add uh, one of these um, vacuum relays like this guy. And they're small. Uh, it's good for 10 amps. Um, I think that'll work I squared R. So it, it should be good for four or five kilowatts. But what it'll do, it'll short this SO239 to this one. And they're relatively close together. And so that's um, that's what um, I forgot. And a switch on the front panel to bypass this whole thing. Uh, as far as pictures go, out of focus picture of the front panel. Again, it was cut out of um, a, uh, a computer side panel. And I drilled a few holes and mounted a turns counter. Um, Here's what it looks like on the inside. The two uh, 400 picofarad, 4 kV plus or minus capacitors and a roller inductor. Uh, edge wound, silver plated. There's another view of the inside. Uh, you can see the, um, uh, the turns counting dial. I ran out of set screws, so I've got to get some more of those. And the... Uh, uh, shaft insulators, um, because these, both of these capacitors stay above ground. Here's another picture of the outside, sort of the finished product, a big black box. Here's a little better picture with it in focus. Um, I didn't have a way to do a dial marking, so I've got to figure that out. The rear panel has two SO239s and the vacuum relay is going to mount right between these two and short out those connectors. I did put in um, insulators below the two air variables to keep them above chassis and also the shaft is insulated. I used feed-throughs to run to the two SO239s that are below the chassis. Those are some that I happen to have on hand that are ancient. Um, I used flat uh, silver-plated strap. Here the two capacitors uh, meet and the coil goes to ground. Okay, so here's what I did next to test the antenna tuner. Using the LP100A virtual control panel, I put uh, various power levels into it. 
many times just a few watts and attempted to tune um, the 20-meter Yagi on other bands. In other words, the SWR would be super high just to see if I could make it uh, get to a one-to-one SWR, knowing that the, the feed line losses will be huge and really that won't work, but just as a test. So, for example, here I'm running like 100 watts and adjusting the roller inductor, and I'm able to get it to a one-to-one SWR or darn close to it. Uh, and then I went off to other bands and did that same procedure again and again. A couple of issues came up. One is that the um, uh, air variable capacitors, I don't have gear reduction or vernier tuning, and as a result, it's a bit touchy. Uh, two, the roller inductor uh, requires a little bit of care in that I don't want to be pouring full power into it. I want to set the roller inductor in its what ultimately will be its proper position. But what I found was, uh, let's say I tune the roller inductor and I get the lowest SWR and I adjust the two capacitors. I find I have to detune the roller inductor, watch the SWR go up, and then retune the capacitors again. And then I can come up with even a lower SWR. Sometimes it requires more inductance, other times less. So using the roller inductor turned out to be a bit tricky. And as you can see on here, I'm maneuvering and I get to a one-to-one -one SWR with uh, just a couple of watts and then later go to uh, just the exciter at um, 25, 30 watts and then a small amplifier after that. And that's another issue with a solid state amp it tends to throttle back power, so you have to really look just at the SWR and not the output power, because the output power varies based upon the SWR, so it can go up and down, um, and the SWR then becomes the key to tuning this thing. But anyway, I was able to get the uh, antenna tuner to using the four, uh, three element Yagi to match on 10, 15, 20, and 40, and with some difficulty on 80. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I just needed a, a huge mis <laughs> mismatch to see if I could get the antenna tuner to tune. I did. Again, it requires uh, some really careful uh, watching of the SWR meter and then making note of the position of the loading coil as at least a starting point the next time I need to tune the thing. Uh, so anyway, I got, as you can see, a one-to-one -one SWR. Let's look at, um, let's go to DX Engineering uh, and Palstar and just take a quick look to see what it would cost if I were buying the parts new. And let's do Palstar first. So um, get that up on the screen. Here are their turns counting dials, and they're roughly $80. Uh, the capacitors, uh, the ones that I used are, um, I guess they are 500. I thought they were 400. Well, I see. Uh, 23 to 430 picofarads, 150 bucks a piece, so it'd be $300. Uh, roller inductor, inductors, there we go. Um, Another 140, so that's 300, 450. Um, turns counter, another 80, 530, a box, at least 100 bucks, 600. And 
you could buy, let's go to DX Engineering, you can buy the complete, and we'll go to the Palstar one and see how much that is. I looked at it some time ago, and uh, where is it? It's down the page a bit. Okay, here we go. Palstar 8D4K, 2,500 watt antenna tuner. It's $1,400. And uh, it's got a built-in watt meter. Pretty much the same kind of components that I was using. Uh, it is set up for a balanced feed line. You can buy the thing already made for $1,400, or you can build it yourself for about $800. So in my view, it's better just to go ahead and buy this. It's, it's a beautiful product. Um, Paul makes some excellent devices, so here you go. All right, that's my uh, uh, antenna tuner, such as it is, and I hope you've enjoyed the video. Um, I've got uh, a part two coming up on on this device as I test it out. I've got to add that relay. I'd like to put a watt meter in it, but there's no space for that. And I may add a, a torret at the back and go to a, a four to one uh, balance. So uh, from unbalanced to balanced and out the back end through two feet through. Thanks for watching. I'm Jim W6LG in Rockland, California, your ham radio Elmer here on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, uh, please do that. And if you'd like to contribute, uh, Patreon is. All right. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I've got one comment, and of course, Jim's not here tonight, so this is not, uh, you know, I'm not criticizing, but, uh, and I think he probably has already thought of this. Hi, I'm Jim W6LG. Oh, okay, I thought, I think he may have already thought about this. Let me see if I can show you uh, where I think there was uh, maybe an error. Here we go. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, so, you know, he wants to bypass this, and Jim had mentioned uh, putting, the, uh, putting the vacuum relay uh, from one SO239 to the other SO239. Of course, that still leaves those capacitors. Uh, actually, that would parallel those two capacitors, and then the roller conductor to ground would still be in the circuit. So somehow he needs to remove that uh, possibly with the... Uh, with the uh, vacuum relay with additional contacts, he might could disconnect that. But I think he's going to have to, if he bypasses, he's going to have to at least disconnect that and not, not short it. Uh, what do you think, uh, Glenn and Brett? Yeah, he's going to have to pull those out of the circuit. Yeah. Well, but anyway, hey, he, he, that was a pretty build, man. He did good. Man, that's huh? a massive yeah, He did good on that, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was not expecting to see that something that beefy. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, Jim has got a lot of homebrew stuff. You ought to see his uh, uh, his uh, automatic uh, uh, rising tower he built. Uh, well, maybe we'll look at that one night when he's yeah, with us. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, with the winches on it and how it exp it goes up. And he's got some home. He's got a homebrew three element uh, twenty meter Yag unit. He, he's done a lot of building uh, cool. over the years, so. He's uh he's my kind of guy, you know, a uh, home brewer, home brewer type guy. All right. So, hey guys, we'll be back in just a minute and uh, uh we're going to talk about building uh collinear a coaxial collinear antenna.
And just uh, to uh, let you know, uh, I, I built one uh, before the show yesterday. And uh, I can usually build about anything. You know, I've been in electronics for 60 years, ham radio operator for 60 years, first class license, member of the IEEE. But I guess I know nothing because it was a complete bomb out on that coaxial uh, collinear antenna. And I'm going to show it to you in a, in a minute and we'll talk about it. And uh, I know uh, Brett has had some good luck in building those antennas and a lot of experience. So we'll be, we'll be back in just a minute and we'll be talking uh, about that. So stand by. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RS-BA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers, digital IF filters, high-resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Features include RF direct sampling, 110dB RMDR, independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur. All right, so we are back. And uh, during that, Brent was saying he's going to put up, a, I guess, an all-band trap vertical this summer. Are you? What do you got going? Yes, I am. going to go ahead and, and put up a, you know, put up a Hustler. Um, let's see, what's the, I'm trying to remember the model number. It's the... Uh, six btv i think yeah yeah oh they've got a six now i re i had the five btv yep they have one with one extra band it has a resonator cool. and the stinger at the top that takes it all the way down the 80 meters it's not very efficient on that band but it'll do it well do you think that antenna with those traps will will, will would outperform if you had let's say if you had five quarter wave verticals ground mounted versus the six what is it, 6BT, ground-mounted? Mm -hmm. You think the individual verticals would work better than the uh, trapped antenna? What do you think? Well, you still have to tune them. And the nice thing about the trapped vertical is that it has 50-ohm impedance at the bottom, no ballon required, and it's already, it's already pre-tuned. 
Um, it, also, in order to hit 80, you know, 80 meters, as I was mentioning, they, they have to actually put a resonator at the top. And that's already, you know, that's already calculated for you. Yeah, so it's yeah. much easier to do than, than trying to figure out how to do a capacitor hat or a uh, or a loading coil or a resonator yourself. Yeah, well, eighty meters a ver an eighty meter quarter wave vertical would kind of be out of out of reach for me here. I mean, it, it's pretty easy for me to get you know a forty meter uh, vertical up, you know, a quarter wave vertical for forty meters. Um, actually, I've got a five eighths. No, I got a th uh, what, three eighths. I got a. I don't remember what it built, but we we did a deal on a show. It was an article in uh, QST about I think it was a a three eighths antenna, three eighths antenna for uh, forty meters. We we did that, but anyway, uh, I'm just wondering. You know, I've tried before. You know, with the, the multiple elements. You know, uh, one wire, one wire for you know, forty, one for twenty, one for fifteen. You, you you trim them, you resonate them, and you know you got you a uh, forty through ten meter antenna that doesn't really require tuning. Uh, that's what the DX commander is. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, the DX commander is just that's it. And uh, of course, you know there's some uh, mechanical logistics and stuff. You got to figure out how to hold all that stuff up. That's one thing, but you know a lot of people can can figure that out. Uh, you know, another thing I wanted to do, and I haven't done it yet. Uh, of course, I've got a I've got a buried radio system in the backyard. So out of my antenna farm back there, uh, I, I would I would have my vertical antenna out there for for each band. And what I want to do is motorize motorize say a a 75 foot tape measure. You know, kind of like uh, these like the stepper. You know how the stepper beam has that. Uh, how it changes length. Well, yeah. I want to just put a vertical about there with a 75 foot tape measure, motorize it and let that tape measure go up or come down and adjust and just remotely here, re remotely here in the shack, you know, bring it down to, you know, 33 feet or bring it, you know, whatever, you know, 17 feet for 20 meters, 33 feet for 40 meters, you know. That should not be too hard at all with no. an Arduino and a stepper And, and you know, you could watch your SWR meter and you could just hit that little button there and move that sucker up an inch or two or move it down an inch or two just Let remotely. Let the Arduino do it for you. Well, well, yeah, yeah, make it automatic. You could do that. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you could preset it, uh, Glenn, where, you know, want to go to 40 meters, preset for 40 and then it just goes yeah. there. Yeah. Well, you're the Arduino easy. man. You come up with that, and I'll come up with a tape measure. Yeah, well, not a problem. The thing about that is that, you know, what we call an antenna tuner really isn't an antenna tuner. It's really a matching unit. But well, they're literally tuning the antenna. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, you are tuning the antenna, right? Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, that cool. should be cool. Yeah, wow. Okay, so, hey, hey, guys, you know, over the show... We've talked about a couple things. Let me show you something. What what got me started in in, in, in trying to make an antenna here? And uh, we're going to jump around to different antennas and and see how it goes. Let me uh, let me bring me full screen up. I want to show you what we're going to do here. You know the GMRS repeater. I've uh, just put together a simple GMRS repeater uh, for uh, for some friends here, and that's that's kind of what it looks like right there. Two uh, GMRS radios. And, uh, you know, there are the cavities below. I, I tuned those with my spectrum analyzer. That, that was a lot of fun, uh, tuning the uh, resonators. Makes it real simple. 
and uh, uh, we've got a fan on there. We, you know, I showed you. I think last week we showed you the the heat controlled uh, circuit that we built up to uh, turn the fan on and off. And uh, so that's that's the uh, that's the repeater. Now let me show you the antenna. We went ahead and ordered a. Uh, we went ahead and ordered a um, GMRS antenna, one that uh, one that's tuned for four. Uh, 62 465 and this is it right here uh, I think I think I showed you this on the show you know it's about uh, what is this well it's it's a little under six foot and um, so you can see it's it's fairly well built it's got uh, you know the u-bolts on it and the, it's got the um, you got three ground planes on there and what we plan on doing is, I'm gonna, I don't have a tower up. I got rid of my tower about 20 years ago. I, I've got so many trees, I use wire antennas. But how am I going to get this GMRS antenna up in the air where it's going to be useful? Now, this may be a complete failure, but we're going to try this. I've already picked out, and right now there's no leaves out there on the trees, and I've already picked out a limb about 70 feet high. And it must be about five inches in diameter. It's about 70 feet high. We're going to put this antenna up there at 70 feet in the air. And as far as I feel, that's just as good as having it on the side of a tower at 70 feet. Now, I've got uh, a friend of mine, uh, Rick, WA4NVM. Uh, is gonna, he's getting us some uh, hard line. He's got 95 feet of hard line we're going to use and put on here. Now, the hard line, oh, the rope is going to pull this up. I just almost put a hole in the ceiling. The, uh, the hard line is going to pull this up. Not the hard line. The rope's going to pull this up and hold it up there. Now, is it the best? No. Are leaves going to grow around it? Yes. But, hey, it is what it is. Okay. Now, we're going to let the hard line hang below the antenna. We've got 95 feet of hard line. It's going to be hanging below the antenna. Now, just say that's not good, and I agree that's not good. But that uh, half-inch hard line weighs, I think, 14 pounds per hundred feet. So we got to support 14 pounds hanging. Let me show you what, how I'm going to hang it. Hang it here. So let me let me see if I can show you something here real quick. So how we're we going to, you know, we can't just screw the hard line onto the antenna let it hang it'll, it'll come apart you know so uh i constructed this this is a little this is a pipe piece of pipe that i cut you can you can see i cut part of the pipe off i think you can see that right there and we left this part left this part here now what i'm going to do is we're going to take that hard line let's pretend this is the hard line right here uh to keep from damaging the hard line, we're going to put um, a rubber hose over the hard line like this. And we are going to, we're going to take this thing here, we're going to put a couple, we're going to put a couple hose clamps on it like this. You see that right there? And we're going to take this hard line, this hard line with the rubber hose on it, and we're going to slide it inside here like this, like, like this. And we'll probably put about, I don't know, maybe put, maybe put 
maybe put three hose clamps down here. So now you can see the hard line is hanging from this pipe. Now what are we going to do this pipe? Okay, now we can take this pipe and we're going to put it. We're going to put it in the antenna like we're going to put it in the antenna like that. So rope tied here, bringing this guy up in the air. The hard line, the way the hard line is probably going to hold it. It's probably going to hold it vertically. Uh, to ensure it's vertical, uh, we, if we tie a rope here, we'll probably come up here and, and loop around the antenna and go up, and that way we'll ensure we kind of keep it aimed up. But we're going to pull this up in the air. And uh, so this is how, if anybody's got any thoughts, this is how we're going to have to fasten our hard line uh, to, to the antenna. That should be pretty, pretty secure right there with a clamp, you know, clamp, clamp, clamp. And of course, the hard line will come out at the top here, and we'll have to have a patch. We'll have to have a patch cord that goes from here, that circles under, and goes goes inside the uh, the antenna right here. So that is the plan. That's the plan for the hard line and the antenna, getting the antenna up. So I'm sure there are people out there that probably say, "Hey, that's a great idea," and then there are those of you guys that said, "Hey, that's a bad idea." So. But it's the only idea that we have right now where we can get that antenna up in the air. Um, so what we're going to do, I'm usually pretty good with a slingshot, but but with a slingshot, it's gonna, it'll go out and it'll go over a bunch of other limbs. What we're going to do is we're going to take a drone, and we're going to go above that limb, and then we're going to drop straight straight down through that tree so uh, we'll avoid a lot of the branches we're gonna we're gonna then pull a rope up it over there and on the end of the rope we'll have something like a a metal uh, like a pulley or something it won't necessarily be a pulley maybe a ring and uh, we'll pull that we'll pull that ring all the way up to the tree limb and then on that ring on that ring right there We'll have another rope that goes up through the ring and back down, and that 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 ring actually becomes like a pulley. We can pull the antenna up to this height right here. Now the reason I want to run run a, a rope through that ring is uh, typically what happens is if this thing stays up a year or two, the rope grows into the tree, or the tree grows around the rope, and you can't get it down. So by having a, a ring up there where our, our rope goes through the ring and down, we can always lower the antenna if we need to. So that's the, uh, that's the thinking there. So, so that's what we do in there. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if anybody had any comments about our tree antenna. Uh, it doesn't look like it. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, that's our uh, that's our uh, thoughts about our our antenna. So uh, I'm hoping that we can maybe get that up maybe this week if the weather is good, it's starting to warm up a little bit. Although I think we got another cold front coming in uh, pretty soon. Um, Keep in mind, it's only January. Our cold yeah. weather normally hits mid February. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it can it can it can definitely we can get s snow and cold weather for sure in February and March. 
So, you know, in, in thinking about GMRS and gain and antennas and all that, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, a, a, a collinear, um, a clutch of collinears, linear is pretty easy to build. And, of course, I've never built one before. Uh, I think uh, Brett's going to come in here a minute and tell us his experience. I think he builds them, but uh, probably, I'm guessing Brett's experiences are much shorter for his, his microwave and other uh, issues maybe that... Uh, he uses bread. What? What do you? Uh, how do you? What's your uh, experience with the collinears? Uh, well, the you know, collinear antenna is is great if you really want uh, all of your energy to go out to the sides and not too much to go up, not too much to go up and down. And what it does, each element of your collinear is both a transmission line leading to the next element and also a, also a radiator. And so you know they they, they do double duty. Um, the trick, the trick is though to, to to compensate for that, and also to just you know, and 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 also to to uh, just just make sure that you've got it properly tuned and and adjust the and adjust the segment lengths. Um, I've had uh, I've had good luck doing that for two point four gigahertz and five gigahertz, and uh, wow, really, what? hey, two point four and five gigahertz. What what are you talking about? Like this long? Yep, we're talking really short pieces. Oh man, oh, yeah, that's nice. But yeah. there, it, it, it works on it works yeah. on longer frequencies well, yeah. just, uh, on a longer wavelengths just the same. Um, the only trick is, you know, you have to make sure to get your to get your impedances right. Um, most of the ones that I've done have been center fed, which means they start out looking electrically like a dipole, which a vertical dipole, you know, fed from the middle. But what you do is. At the ends of that dipole, instead of just having the transmission line end, and you know, of course, what happens then is that your signal bounces is inverted and bounces and bounces back. Uh, instead, it goes on from there, and you have another element which is also which is also radiating. Um, so there's you know the, the what you'd usually do, and I've I've been looking at some of the plans for these is people start out making it look like a half wave dipole. So you have a quarter wave and you have a quarter wave in the middle. And then you have half wave segments beyond that, uh, just you know, and then they and they will radiate. Uh, they'll radiate in phase, and then finally you you will have quarter wave segments at the top. Very often they'll short them together, so that when the signal reflects off the very end, it comes back and it's in phase with everything else. So it, it's there. There are lots of good papers on the physics, and you can find them online. But uh, the the real trick is cutting those segments right. Um, if it's if you make it out of coax, so you have to make sure that you uh, make make sure that you solder the braid to the center conductor and the center conductor to the braid and don't short anything. And then you've got to water you've got to waterproof it. And either you put the whole thing inside a PVC pipe, or you heat shrink each joint, and uh, then then you can hang the whole thing. And that gets a little tricky, but uh, again, it's doable and it's it's something you can experiment with. Yeah. So. I, uh, I took a stab at this, and uh, I uh, uh, I thought, well, you know, since we're playing with the t with the GMRS, let's just play with it for. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't build it for G GMRS. I've got uh, I've got a group of uh, hands here, and we're on uh, two two hundred twenty megahertz. You know, the two twenty band, and so I tried building one up for two twenty. Uh, and um, I didn't have very good luck with it. I, I used, and I know that you can, you know, I've ordered some RG, uh, RG400 to try. 
I've got some RG142 coming in to try. You know, double shielded, uh, silver plated, good stuff, man. Uh, but I ordered some uh, brand new uh, RG213. I thought, well, let me try that. So, you know, I, 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 I uh, converted everything to millimeters because, you know, I'm not very good at inches where, you know, it's 11 and, you know, 7 eighths inch versus, you know, 5 eighths and all that, you know. So I converted everything to millimeters and used a metric uh, scale to try to, uh, uh, you know, to cut them. And you can see a couple. Here's the two half waves here that uh, that I cut uh, for this uh, 220 antenna. That's the, that's one of the quarter waves I cut right there. And uh, the other quarter wave, went that, that was for the top. The other quarter wave went to the bottom. So this basically had two half waves. It was a quarter wave, two half waves, and a quarter wave. And, uh, you know, you, you know, that's the first time I've done it, but I try to be very careful in cutting the shield back. And uh, I noticed that if I, if I tend it a little bit, that helped because if you, if you don't tend that shield uh, and you attach, if you attach a center conductor to it and it wiggles around, it's, it stretches the, uh, it stretches the uh, shield, it disforms it, it makes it longer, it makes it shorter. So I found that if I kind of tinted the shield there, it would help make the shield more solid. So there are the pieces there, to, you know, to keep them from shorting. I want to make sure I didn't have any single little uh, hair wires shorting everything out. So, you know, I inspected that stuff. I inspected it through a microscope. Uh, I kept them about one millimeter apart. Uh, I had, yeah, I researched a lot of diagrams and build uh, on the internet, and uh, uh, most of them had uh, about a millimeter on each end of each piece of coax here, so they were about two millimeters apart. But we we spaced that about a millimeter apart, um, and uh, that's the configuration there where they'll go together. Uh, I was talking to my son earlier, trying to explain to him how how the sections hook together, and I was having a little difficulty explaining it to him. Now, even though you solder that on there, Brent, uh, this is some pretty, this RG213 is pretty big coax, and it is, um, you know, it's heavy coax, and if, if that stuff bends or whatever, you know, it can tear those braids out, it can, it can distort them. So I thought, okay, um, let's reinforce, let's reinforce the connection, so... Uh, I wrapped each connection with uh, just some hookup wire like this uh, to give it mechanical strength. And, uh, you know, I, I flowed solder, you know, around that, those right there. Um, it's hard to see there. To me, it looks messy. They're not touching. I don't have a short or anything here. And that's about a millimeter apart. Uh, so that is... Um, yeah, that that's kind of the way the the uh, the sections hook together. Now, Matt's asking, is that coax about a half inch thick? That is uh, RG213. It's the same size as your coax, what RG8, uh, uh, 213. Uh, it's it's about four, you know, it, it's about 0.4 inches. Yeah, it's it's, it's close to a half inch. Uh, it's close to a half. So there there's another picture of it there, you know, laid out, kind of how it was soldered together. All right, there. We've already talked about that. So, anyway, uh, I put it together, and of course, hey, once you put this sucker together, there ain't a lot of tuning. You can't go back and adjust those. But even if I 
had to adjust them. I, I cut them close to what, you know, the, the specs say I should cut them uh, with the velocity factor and all that. So, yeah, it, there's it, a trick to that, by yeah, the way. Yeah. You can do is instead of initially soldering them, what you can do is you can use split bolts and hold it together temporarily and then take it back apart and trim it. Um, so your velocity factor isn't going to be perfect here because you've got some you you've got some of your signal running along the inside and some of your signal running along the outside and it's actually yeah. not the same velocity factor, so yeah. it, it requires tuning. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I originally I started trying to cut the pieces with you know with just you know one of these pipe cutters you know you screw it down you, you turn it you screw it a little tighter you turn it and it did pretty good on a couple it cut them very very clean but then every now and then it, it would it would not do a good job and uh so i i uh I, I i put that to the side and i started just cutting a good strong razor knife you can cut straight through that shield uh you know and uh the coax jacket and even the uh center uh, dielectric, you you can do that with a uh, with a razor knife, and that's what I ended up doing there. So my my experience was, and I tried different things. Uh, I tried the the ground plane, you know, where they said put it. Uh, I tried ferrite beads. Uh, I tried moving the ferrite beads up and down. That was another thing that they showed, uh, which was supposed to fine tune it. Um, the the top piece I tried it without a whip on the top quarter piece, I tried it with the top quarter shorted, I tried it with the top piece shorted and the whip, I tried it with the top piece not shorted and the whip, so I tried a lot of different configurations and nothing seemed to do a lot of good there. Uh, I was shooting for I was shooting for like 220 megahertz. Uh, it looked like the best. Uh, resonant point was about about 240, uh, and maybe a three to one. It wouldn't go below a three to one. So I tried a lot of different things on there, and uh, it just, you know, like I say, I have built, and I feel like I'm a pretty good builder. I built a lot of stuff over the years, but uh, this one, this one kicked my butt, man. Yeah. Well, there is another thing you can do, which is you can build this incrementally. You can start yeah. out with one element and make sure that that one's tuned. And then at the end of that one, you know, it's really just acting like a transmission line to the next. So you can put the, if you got the other, you know, the other element, uh, you know, at that point, you'll know how long it's got to be. You can just attach it afterwards after you've got the first one trimmed and tuned. So it's possible to build up a collinear. Now, if it's yeah. NFET, of course, you're going to have, you, you need to make sure you got a ground plane. You need to make sure you got a choke at the bottom. Right, right. So here's my here's my collinear antenna. Of course, the bottom piece here, instead of just putting a instead of just putting a quarter weight piece here, I just put a longer piece uh, with an SL239 on the end, and at a quarter wave, at a quarter wave, I came down uh, for the you know the ground plane or the beads or whatever, uh, which should be the same. Uh, so you got quarter wave there at the at the bottom, then you got your half wave, and then a half wave, and then I've got the quarter wave there at the top. And of course, you saw the you saw the single pictures. 
you saw the single picture, so there was a top end, and there's a, uh, there's, there's the connection, and there's the connection. So anyway, anyway, uh, it was a good uh, learning experience, but it was almost a waste of about five feet of good RG213. So, I don't think I'm going to do another one of those, uh, Britt. Oh, well, I'd be interested in seeing what band it was resonant on. It might just not have hit, uh, might just might not have hit uh, 1.25 meters. Well, it hit about 240 megahertz. Instead of 220, it hit 440. It hit two, about 240. Hmm? At, at a three to one, and I, it, it just wouldn't get better in three to one. I like the idea of taking it apart and doing Brett's incremental build and see if. You know, something's different there. I'll uh, I'll send it to you, Glenn, and you can take it apart. Yeah, and I'll put it on my list of things to do, and I'll get around to it about twenty twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. It's for RG two thirteen. I mean, I what century is grips. this on the Mayan calendar? You know, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. Go from there. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, uh, let's see. That Greg mentioned RG. He gave us a link in the chat room for RG two thirteen. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. I, I believe it's uh, it's a Kellum grip to hold. Oh the... oh oh oh. Okay okay. That's to hold the hold the cable. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. What is a Kellum grip? Is that something that that squeezes or uh, maybe the pressure? The more you pull, the tighter it gets. Is that what that? I'm, I'm assuming that's what it is. Anybody know what a Keller Kellum grip is or whatever? Come on, don't make me Google this. Come on, well, come on. I've, I've used I've used something like that. What it is is it's kind of like a Chinese finger trap. Yeah, yeah. Pass a you pass a cable that you're an aerial cable that you're hanging through it. Yep. And then you attach the far end of it to a pole or whatever else, whatever you're hanging it off of. Well, I, I don't know if you guys you guys probably aren't this old or collect junk like I do, but if you remember the old black telephone wire that used to come to your house, it was kind of kind of flat, you know, wasn't completely round, a little flat. They came, they that's the way they hooked them to your house. It had the little metal loop thing in in a two piece slide, and that uh, that wire, that little flat wire, would fit in that slide, and it's like you say a Chinese uh, finger handcuff or whatever. Yeah. The more it pulls, the tighter it gets, you know, so I'm guessing, okay, I'm guessing that's what that is. There's two kinds. There's the yeah. kind with pieces that slide together, like you're talking about, and yeah. then there's the Chinese finger trap kind. If you go to the hardware store and you look in the electrician's tools, they use that to pull, the, to do pulls of cable. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. They okay. Feel, except this one's permanent. Yeah, well, I've got some of those telephone uh, uh, slide things. I've got a couple out there in the shop, you know, but they're they're made more for a round. I mean, a, a more of a flat cable. And I don't. Does anybody still have a phone line comes to their house anymore? There's probably a bunch of them out there in the junkyard now, man. I actually have one that comes in, but there's nothing connected to it. It could yeah, actually okay. connect, still connected to the box and the jacks. Well, let's go out there and take it in and get that uh, clamp off of it. Yeah. Um, probably one on, probably probably one on both ends. I'm sure there's one at the pole end and one at the house end. 
you know? Actually, no, because they actually had to run it along the ground because the old one oh, rotted out. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll see. Um... <sighs> I don't know. Okay. So, collinear. Okay, I can, I can do 1,000 things, guys. No, wait, I can do 999 things, guys, but there's one I can't do, and I can't make that collinear coaxial work. I might could if I spent enough time with it, but I about realized that, uh, like Glenn said, being retired, there's not enough time to work on that. All right, hey, let's talk about another antenna. Hey, for 220, you know, uh, I've got, I've got, several uh, two meter and dual band antennas and a 220 antenna up in my attic. I've got a really high attic. It's like third story. Maybe. Yeah. You third, could make a show just of story. the stuff you have in your attic. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so I, I had just a homemade ground plane, you know, the, the, the SO 239 with the, the quarter way whip and the, that's what I had up here, and the the, the two the two twenty repeater was a little noisy at times, and uh, I was going to do something better. So I built a, uh, I guess it was a collinear, but uh, it was uh, in one of the manuals. Basically, it was just a piece of wire. I think it was like five eighths, and then it had a matching piece that went out and back, you know, a little stub right there, and then I think it was another like another five eighths or something. Anyway, I built that according to book. And it worked, but it didn't work much better than the uh, quarter wave that I had uh, in there. So, and that's why I was wanting to build the um, the collinear. And if it was really easy and, and nice to build and worked, you know, I had two elements in there. That would give me about 3 dB. I, I could go back in here and add two more elements, you know, and, and then have 6 dB maybe. Now I could add... Okay, that's four elements. Now I can add four more elements, and I could get uh, uh, 9 dB, theoretically. But I don't think my attic's that high. Uh, that'd be, that's getting pretty long because just two elements here was almost uh, six foot tall, you know. So, yeah, well, there is, there is another way you can do it. It takes less space, which is you can fold it. You can make a J-pole. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I could do that. So, but... You know, I said, okay, while well, I'm in the antenna mood, I looked in, the, in one of the handbooks, maybe like a, I don't know, I went back to an old handbook, maybe 1984, and um, I found a 5 eighths wave antenna. I think it, they designed it for mobile operation, but uh, I, I built it and uh, had a little trouble with it. So, look, hey, here's all it takes right there, man. It takes a piece of wire. I put an SO239 on it, and it, and hey, I got me a dowel rod. That's that's the antenna. And if you look at the diagram right there, 5 eighths wave for 220, the the whip is actually 28, 20, yeah, 28 and a half inches. The the coil there is six six and a half, is actually six and a half turns, and it's tapped at one and three fourths turns. All right. Now, the instructions said that that coil should be a half inch diameter. Okay. So I, but it did not say what kind of spacing on an inductor. And we know on an inductor, if you squeeze it or you spread it apart, that changes the inductance. So anyway, 
I went with I thought was the standard winding. I just made them about a turn apart, you know. So I did that. I tapped it at one and uh, one and three quarter turns, and uh, I failed again. I failed. All right, so I moved the tap. Instructions are move the tap till you find the best place. Well, one and three quarters was about the best place. You know, I moved it to two turns. I moved it to one and a half turns, and it just still was not a great antenna. Was there so, a ground plane? There what? Was there a ground plane? Uh, I did put a ground plane under it there uh, in in trying it. Uh, I actually uh, on that SO239. I actually put four four radios on there. Uh, later, I tried it without them. Uh, I thought maybe the coax might work, and but it didn't. So I tried I tried the thing. But anyway, so I just mounted me a little uh, SO239 on the end of the dowel rod right there, and uh, hey, I wound I wound the uh, six and a half turns like uh, they say, and uh, ran my 28 and a half inch whip, you know, up it. I tapped on it. That's a pretty simple antenna right there. Pretty simple. But uh, it just, it was lousy, man. Lousy, lousy, lousy. So I just started playing with it. I never, I didn't give up. I just started playing with it. There it is there before I put the tap on. So I thought, okay. I dig the junk box out. And I find me a little trimmer capacitor. And I put a trimmer capacitor in there uh, on the, the, center there on the tap I start playing with it and um, I it, it did pretty good it did it, it did pretty good 50 ohms it got it down to like one-to-one -one. I mean it looked looked pretty good so I was fairly happy I guess with the results on the meter and I don't know how well the antenna will work I haven't tried it I did put uh, the ground radio that may be with the ground radios under it but uh, that's the best match that I, I was able to get. Now, I don't know that a good match means it's a good antenna, to tell you the truth. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, a dummy load is a good match. But yeah, my, well, my, dummy load, my dummy load doesn't transmit here but about 10 or 20 feet. Yeah, well, loading coil is going to absorb energy. You know, five-eighths, uh, back in the CB days, five-eighths uh, antennas were popular because they were a convenient length, but they weren't very efficient. Uh, they, they just had, you know, they, they were a little bit better maybe than a half-wave, not much. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so that, that's, uh, that's been my uh, experience kind of with antennas uh, this week, uh, trying to, you know, play with something, put something together, and uh, I experimented on the, the, the 220 band, and uh, of course, most of the people in the uh, most of the people uh, in the, the 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 handbook and stuff. Uh, he mentioned uh, you know building it for for two meters and for 440, and he gave dimensions for two for 220. He says, although I haven't built it for 220, he says, I guess back then not many people were on 220, so uh, it was more a uh, you know in theory this is a uh, this is what it should be on 220. Anyway, I, I had fun. Uh, had fun doing it. Um, I got to use the. I got to use our uh, long-range soldering iron on it, and uh, you know, went went. Had a lot of fun there. All right. Well, that's our story about uh, 
antennas tonight, and I'm sticking with it. Hey, here's a neat picture here, guys. Have you ever had this happen to you? I don't know if you've ever had this happen or not, but uh, that dog looks pretty happy right now. I guess he thought the antenna must have been a, a bone or something. I don't know, man. But uh, I guess actually, as he got down toward the battery, it probably started tasting bad. It, it's, it's amazing it didn't catch on fire, to tell you the truth. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, anything else going on uh, tonight, guys? Well, no, not for me. Right, no, so. things have been pretty quiet. Uh, I got a little bit. I, I made a few QSO <coughs> during Winter Field Day. That was, uh, you know, that that was fun. But I, I did it from home. I thought I was going to go out and, uh, you know, maybe brave the cold. But uh, no, too many, too many interruptions got in the way. Yeah, there was one more thing I was going to mention tonight, and that is uh, a propagation tool. You know, we've got uh, Whisper, and we've got PSK Reporter, and hold it just a second. Something started tickling my throat. <clears throat> so we got PSK Reporter. we got the verse, Reverse Beacon Project. <clears throat> There's something else I ran across. I don't know if anybody, you might tell me in the chat room if you've run across this, but it's called uh, HFQSO.com. It's HF Radio Activity Group. <clears throat> so you might do a search on HF Radio Activity Group. It's a group of about 50 members. If you want to join, you can be a member. They're on every day. Let's see. Let me see if I can pull that up. Um, I'm going to pull our website up and let you see it. Uh Hmm. Take me a second here. Uh, oh, this is cool. This is cool. K2 um, AUB just sent me this photo. There we go. Neat. He's, uh, he's watching us on his big screen TV right there. That's uh, the way to do it. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me find this link to this thing I'm talking about. Um, if I can find it. Well, I'll uh, I'll just describe it. I can't pull it up at my fingertips. But what what this what this group does? 125 check-ins per day. Uh, I think they're mainly on 40 meters and up. They've got certain frequencies, and if you go to the website, you'll uh, you'll get seals frequencies and the time. So go to HF Radio Activity Group. Their website is hfqso.com, but when I click on it, I get the warning that this is, a, you know, not a secure site and that somebody may try to break in my computer. So I didn't go there, uh, but I think it's legitimate because I went to their 
to the HF Radioactivity Group, and there's a lot of postings about this group. Uh, what they do is they've got specific frequencies and times. They just get on, and it's just for propagation only. It's not, you know, not uh, 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 talking about the weather or anything. And what it is, you can check your propagation. There will be 50 members scattered across the U.S. and the world, and uh, uh, you list your you list your name and call in, in, in there with the control station. And then when it's your turn, you just say, this is W5KUB. Who is hearing me? And what these 50 people do, these 50 people will come back and say, this is XC1AA, I hear you 58. Or this is K2ABC, you're coming in um, 5 by 9 in New York. And that, that's basically is all it is. You say, who's hearing me? And you get all these stations on frequency that hear you that will give you a signal report. So it's kind of different. Uh, it's just a group having fun. It's, um, it's an interesting concept. I'm not sure. It, that's just real-time uh, propagation, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Would you use that, Glenn? Think you'd use it? Um, you know, that sounds almost a little too manual in this day of the automatic reporting and stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think I'd rather look at PSK Reporter or Reverse Beacon or something like that, you know, just to see, because it's going to be based on all of the band activity, not just, you know, a handful of members. Yeah. Yeah, well, PSK Reporter is great. You can really tell how you're getting out and where, and it can help you adjust your antenna. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's Yeah, Rotator especially. Uh-huh. Let's see. Okay, hey, let me mention a couple of ham fest here real quick. Uh, I've almost forgot to do it. Okay, so we've got, uh, oh, we've got 10 minutes left. Okay, hey guys, uh, the next one coming up here is Arkansas River Valley Ham Fest. It's over uh, where I went to college, or Russellville, Arkansas. Actually, it's there on the Arkansas River, there at Dardanelle, Arkansas, which is right right outside of Russellville. Um, very pretty and nice place over there. It's right below Mount Nebo, and uh, Mount Nebo is uh, really a, a cool place if you've never been there. It's a uh, we call it a mountain. It's like uh, 2,000 feet high. It's got a plateau on top. And uh, a lot of the guys from Memphis go over there for VHF. There's cabins up there. They will uh, they will uh, rent a cabin up there. They'll they'll take some tower up there on the trailer and all their VHF antennas. And at 2,000 feet, uh, they've got a great shot from up there, uh, just about any direction up there. But we're going to go over there to the river and, and to the uh, Arkansas River Valley Ham Fest. Is anybody in the chat room from uh, Russellville area. Uh, they normally have a net tonight, so usually everybody misses the show. All right, and then I, that's on the second of uh, March, I think second. And then uh, let's see. Then we've got them. The another one I'm going to go to is the West Tennessee Hamfest and Swap Meet. It's on the 16th of March. That's just north of Jackson. Uh, Tennessee, 
just a, maybe an hour and a half drive from here. Yeah, uh, I'm probably going to do that one. Yeah, I think I'll go up there and see. It's probably going to be small. I think this group is trying to uh, revive maybe another older group that used to have a ham fest up there, maybe under new management or whatever. Um, but um, they have had some ham fest up there before. But I think this is an effort to make it bigger and better. So that's going to be the West Tennessee Ham Fest swap meet. That's going to be the 16th of uh, March. So we're going to be going to that too. Uh, well, let's not also forget, of course, the Jackson, Mississippi Ham Fest this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Orlando Hamcation following weekend. All right, and you're going down to Hamcation. You'll be doing a forum down there. We're and, doing a uh, forum down there. I'll be down there. I'm actually flying down Wednesday. All right, well, Katie's going to be there. Katie says she oh, cool. will get some pictures and meet all the old folks down there, and uh, hopefully uh, maybe uh, the week after you guys get back, Katie will be on here and going to give us a uh, report from um, – from Orlando, from the well, you know what happens when you have me, Dwayne, and Katie all in the same place. Well, I'm not sure what happens to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I, I, lots I know, of trouble. Yeah, I'm sure it will be lots of trouble. And uh, <laughs> you got to remember you know, when you and I went down here, what two years ago? This is the weekend of the 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 U.S. cheerleaders. Convention. Oh gosh, yes. The U.S. Cheerleaders Convention is that weekend, and you're gonna hit you're gonna hit it again. And well, when, that's when, why I'm going down Wednesday. Hey, are you okay? Well, you, you may be all right because we might, might be a little bit luckier. Two years ago, when we went down there. Uh, all the cheerleaders they stole Glenn and I's baggage. We didn't have our suitcases. Went to the girl went with the girls to their hotel, and we didn't get our baggage till i don't know midnight or something yeah like that. it took a while to get our bags yeah the whole airplane i mean there was glenn sitting behind me i mean here i am the whole airplane was full of cheerleaders from around the united states man yeah that was an interesting flight yeah it was <laughs> it happens it happens the same time every year yeah man okay well but i love orlando it's yep. one of my favorites you know, it's it's just a cool place. Plus, it's warm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time of year, warm works. All right. Hey. Oh. Uh, all right. Oh. Uh, hey, let me make a quick announcement here. Probably people are listening out there on shortwave have no idea what they're listening to. This is a wild and crazy bunch of people. And just like uh, somebody said in the chat room, what happens here on the Amateur Radio Roundtable stays on the Amateur Radio Roundtable. Whatever that means. Unless anyway, it goes out on WBCQ. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, if you're listening to us, you're listening on Thursday between 5 and 7 p.m. on 7490 kilohertz. You're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about shortwave, ham radio, electronics. We're really glad you're listening and with us tonight. Many of us started our ham radio um uh, Trek is shortwave listeners back, you know, in the early days. I've been licensed for now for this year to be 60 years. I can remember 60 years ago, I was a shortwave listener with the old, big old Zenith console. The thing was about four foot wide, and it was about, I don't know, four and a half feet tall. had that big round dial on it, and boy, that thing had some good sound. I, I don't know what happened to that radio. Man, it had, it had shortwave on it. Mm. Mm. Woo! Uh, anyway, hey... 
You can join our show live on Tuesdays if you just go to W5KUB.com, W5KUB.com at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, every Tuesday. And we have a chat room, and you can join us live. Check us out. Check us out on our uh, podcast carriers. We're on every podcast carrier out there. Of course, we're on WBCQ. Uh, join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. We've got over 14,000 members in it. We'd love to have you. It's for shortwave listeners, too. And, uh, hey, please hit that subscribe button right there. We'd love for you to hit the subscribe button. It helps us hit the like button. Hit the, hit the, uh, hit the notify button in case we come on, you know. And Hit the button that says send money to Glenn so he can afford ham fest. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, the subscribe button is down here somewhere. i got to get my video back on here. Here we go. Video's back on. Okay. All right. Well, we're going we're gonna to sign off here. And with that, we got a, we got a video here of uh, uh, Dr. Glenn. Oh, and, Lord. And, and we're going to play the video here with Dr. Glenn on here tonight. So here, here we go. Uh-oh. What have I done now? Here we go. Here we go. So you're saying I can ask this cat any questions? The cat is connected to the computer. You just type in the question, it will read his mind. There's the answer, Cole. You're the man! I've been looking for this for weeks. All right. Good night, everybody. Tell you a story. It happened a long time ago. Little bit of pretty one. I've been watching you grow.
7A. What number is this, Chip? 7A. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Oh, I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. But six rings and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. My shaven razor's cold and it stings. Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good time starts and ends Without our love want to spend But how much, baby, do we Come on, 
bouncing out on my knee.
Till I'm gonna 
need a friend.